Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. We're so excited to be back. It's been a while. We're sorry that we kept you waiting, but we are here with an amazing episode. Uh, Byron, before we get into everything, let the listeners know why they should be subscribing to Politically Entertaining. Well, I guess it's a little too late to be saying Happy New Year, although this is our first episode of the year. But um, you should you should tune into us because li- listen, if nothing else, this is a presidential election year, and I know that's when most of you guys pay attention to, to politics when you normally probably don't. And you know, this is a very big year, an election year. And Frank and I here on Politically Entertaining, we just try to break it down to you in, in an hour or less. Let you know the important things you need to know. We touch on some social issues as well and a fun topic or two when we can. And we try to do some great interviews. Uh, today, we'll be talking coronavirus. We'll be talking uh, some big stories that occurred since Frank and I last occur, uh, last recorded rather back in late December. A lot of big things happened. So we're going to touch on some of that. And we got some we just had the South Carolina primary. We're recording on uh, Friday. South Carolina primary is tomorrow, and then we have Super Tuesday, so we'll touch on that. Before we get into that, though, uh, Frank, I know you watch basketball. You and I and our families, we've attended a couple of basketball games together. So Zion Williamson came into the league. He was the first-round draft pick, number one draft pick, rather, out of Duke for the New Orleans Pelicans, a, a city that's close to our hometown, and he's missed half of the season. He just came back. He's played a total of 13 games as, as we record this. Um, did you expect this? This guy has been playing like a, a monster. And I know he was in college, but that's college. And that doesn't always necessarily translate to the pros. But so far, like I say, he's played in 13 games. He's averaging 28 points, well, 28 and a half points, seven, seven rebounds, two assists, shooting 57%. Did you expect this out of this young man, or is he overachieving, or right about what you expect? I mean, I think I think the numbers. Okay, if you take out the fact that he missed so much of the season, if he had started the season, I think people kind of expected him. He's probably the most hyped rookie since I'd say probably LeBron James, right? From a standpoint of we expect this guy to come in and make an impact. Now, what's different about him than say even LeBron James is just his sheer size. LeBron James kind of grew into his body whereas you if you look at LeBron James as a rookie and look at it now you say okay well he's bigger it's like I think the thing, the thing about Zion, Zion Williams is Zion Williamson is he probably doesn't need to get gain any more weight than where he is right now he probably needs to lose weight as he gets no. older because he's not going to probably last you know 10 years 15 years in the league at his current size like he's very explosive but he's had some knee problems because of his weight you know the weight bearing and things like that so he's he's a very forceful player i think when he you know just the things he's able to do from a physical standpoint are, are you know you just can't really teach the fact that this guy can jump as high as he can jump and really move his feet the way he can at his size um it, it's just so many things that you know he, he has a good feel for the game too he's not just you know a brute you know bruiser out there so i mean he, he certainly is he mm-hmm. You know, how great is he going to be? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, 13 games is not enough to make somebody Hall of Famer. Let's, you know, he's not the next thing yet. I mean, he's not even rookie of the year. John Moran has played the whole year and been great. And so, you know, he's not even in the rookie of the year conversation as much as, you know, where can he be historically if he stays healthy? I mean, all that stuff needs, it remains to be seen. And, 
you know, let's give him some time to develop. But yeah, right now the early returns look like look good. He looks he looks like I said the like the best most explosive prospect since LeBron. And that and, and we take for granted how long LeBron's been in the league, but LeBron came in the league 17 years ago. So, you know, it's been almost a whole generation since we've seen a player with that kind of um, upside come into the league. Because even if you think about Kevin Durant, just just to throw it in the conversation there, is that Durant is an amazing scorer, amazing player. But when you think about him, he's a basketball player, a scorer. He's not a physically imposing player. He doesn't, you know, Zion is like, whoa, Zion is a lab, you know, a lab experiment. Like, yo, we're going to get a guy, you know, not even a lab experiment because that might come off wrong. But uh, create a player, right, in a video game. I'll make him tall and, you know, big and be able to jump high and shoot a little bit. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. He can, I, you know, and everything you mentioned, they, they were my concerns too, like his weight. And I do wonder how that holds up over the course of a year. Like he's only played 13 games. NBA season is 82 so it'll be interesting to see how he finishes this year and going into next season. Next season, I think, will be the real test. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the court? Can he stay playing at that that high level, like you mentioned, the explosiveness, going up and down the court with that weight? Is he going to dedicate himself to getting, I guess, more of the, the physique that shows that he's in shape? But he can hit threes. He's a presence in the paint. And, uh, you know, so far, New Orleans has a good one. So just be interesting to see how it uh, carries on years from now. But uh, he has arrived. And with that, um, let's get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your hosts, Frank and Byron. Welcome back. We are Politically Entertaining, as Frank said at the top of the show. We ask you guys to subscribe. We're on Apple, we're on Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, plenty of platforms, uh, podcast platforms. So check us out. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And so we're going to get uh, right into it. Uh, I wanted to talk about what's on everybody's mind at the immediate moment right now, Frank, and that is this this COVID-19, better known as the coronavirus. And right now, as we record, there are about 80, a little over 84,000 cases worldwide, nearly 2,900 deaths. And some of the symptoms of this virus, coughing, sneezing, uh, fever, shortness of breath. And right now, they, they, they seem to not know everything about this virus yet. If you go to the CDC uh, website, it, it, it carefully words it to where, at best, we know this is how it's transmitted. And how it's tra- transmitted is from, you know, fluids from someone coughing or sneezing. They touch something, you touch it, and then put your hand in your eye or your mouth, and it gets into your system. It takes about two to 14 days for it to show, for it to show symptoms. 
And besides all of that, what, what I wanted to get to, because we are a political show, is did you see the press conference that the administration finally gave last week after downplaying it? You know, the president downplayed this virus last month. And, you know, I don't want to be too critical on that because sometimes you don't want to cause panic. But he did downplay it. And now they've kind of done a 180 to where they're holding press conferences and they're having Vice President Mike Pence uh, and uh, the human health secretary, what's his name, Alex Azar. They're going to be heading this. So I wanted to know what were your thoughts on it? Because I watched that press conference and, you know, they fumbled it to me. Like your, your president was going, it's like he was stringing words together without saying any coherent plan or idea. And they kind of had to come back in and fix it after that press conference. So did you see the uh, press? Uh, have you heard anything going on? And what were your thoughts on how this Trump administration has handled the overall coronavirus hysteria so far i didn't see the presser but i don't need to see it to know that they fumbled it or that the president fumbled it i'm not surprised at all one bit there's been many fumbles um in this administration and we won't you know get into that too much but i believe that the way it's been handled is the way everything else has been kind of handled which is in a way that's been inconsistent and um how would you say not not and not up to the standard of which the president should handle things and so when you think about the the initial yeah the initial response was you know oh it's just going to go away in a couple weeks you know when it gets warm don't worry about it and and so you know to me it's like you're better off not saying anything until you know something in some in some cases right like uh you know you know you know i understand that there there was concern but one thing about the coronavirus to, to everybody needs to understand is that it is something that people are dying from, but everybody's it's not fatal. It's not like something where it's it's um, rabies, right? If you get rabies, you're gonna die. You're you're if you get rabies and you haven't got a shot and you show symptoms, you're probably gonna die. Okay, so rabies right now is still more dangerous than coronavirus, and I get it. It's it's, it's I'm just giving you an example of viruses that will kill you if you get them, like straight away and so the coronavirus is killing people but at a and not at a rate that's in my estimation or what i've seen higher than what the flu is and i think another reason why people are nervous by the coronavirus is there's a couple things right in the majority culture there's a face with it right there's a, a stigma there's there's you know an asian presence about it so that makes people feel a certain way um there's also not a vaccine for it because even though people die from the flu people generally don't panic they say oh you should have got a flu shot right but there's no shot for the coronavirus. Yeah. So then people feel differently about it because if somebody died from the flu, nobody would, nobody can leave the story with it. One thing, one, one other thing also is that is we talked about this before is the news coverage of it. And, you know, one, one of the things I'll say is there's a mo- great movie um, with Jake Gyllenhaal called Nightcrawler. And I won't give the movie away, but it has a lot to do with the way news is covered. And if you've never seen it, or if you have seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But, what I'm what I'll say is in regards to that, you have this idea that you're gonna lead with certain things a certain way because people react to certain things. So the coronavirus is, is all the rage. So having it and talking about the new diagnosis and statistics, that's that's good ratings. I mean, these news stations have to compete now with, with all the other outlets. So to some level you have this kind of least common denominator where you have this this kind of story that's getting 
repeated and printed over and over again to where it's like it may not be as big a deal, but then it becomes a big deal because everybody's talking about it. So, you know, I think that is certainly something that you should be concerned about from a standpoint of you should still be taking the same caution, washing your hands, you know, doing all the same precautions you normally do, but not worrying necessarily about this is going to be the thing that takes you out. More than likely, you're going to die from something else. It's not going to be the coronavirus, um, especially if you're a black man. Don't worry about the coronavirus. There's plenty of other things that will kill you. Don't worry about it, bro. Don't worry about it. So so, so, so slight correction, It now the flu does kill more people because it's more widespread, but the coronavirus right now is killing at a higher rate, about a rate of one in every 50. But like Frank said, it's not a death sentence. You can, if you get it, you know, as long as you get treated, more than likely, you will you will survive it. And like he also said, keep your hands clean. Um, <laughs> other, a few other corrections too. Like I see people wearing masks and things like that. So that that right there doesn't keep you from catching it. They want you to wear the mask if you have it to keep you from spreading it. That's why they're saying if you wear the mask, you need to shave your beard so it can form that that tight seal. Um, but <laughs> So James Harden, but yeah, James Harden is gonna get Washing coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should be washing your hands anyway, by the way. So that's that's a whole different thing. But and it it started messing with the money too. I don't like that. Uh, for what do you think is overhyped or whatever? The stock market has reacted to it and it's had the worst seven days I think since 1908. Somebody can correct me on that, but um. I don't think it's as bad as probably some of the media is making it, but you know, it was definitely something we need to have be aware of and have a plan for in case it does get worse. So that's probably enough time on that. Um, we have, as I mentioned at the, uh, at the top, we have the uh, South Carolina primary tomorrow uh, as Frank and I record this on a Friday night and the latest polls show Joe Biden with, I think more than a 10% lead on the rest of the uh, other candidates. And he needs a win in a big way. Uh, you know, he was the front runner for so long, according to the polls. And then he got his teeth kicked in in Iowa. He got his Bernie blew him out in Nevada. He uh, he came in a, what was it, a distant? No, he wasn't even second in New Hampshire. He was a distant second in Nevada. Um, he got blown out in New Hampshire as well. So, it's South Carolina or nothing for him right now, and it seems like he's going to come through with that. Um, but Bernie Sanders right now is, is the hot candidate. Uh, he, he he blew everyone out in Nevada. I think he won New Hampshire. He came in like second in Iowa. So the other candidates are looking to take him down. Pete, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and the others are trying to take him down as he tries to get separation. My question for you is we have six uh, candidates that are left, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, uh, the the billionaire, I think his name is Steyer or yeah, something like Steyer, that, Tom Mike Steyer, Bloomberg, yeah. yeah, him, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden. Who is Frank's least favorite candidate out of those six? And what are your predictions for uh, Super Tuesday? Um, that's that's a great. I love it. You know, it's, you know, what's so funny is. I haven't been, I know we do a political show and you think, man, how can you not watch the debates? And I wasn't even going to watch the debate, this most recent one, but my wife was watching and I said, hey, I guess I should watch it, right? So I'm watching it and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking and I said, hmm, now 
this is just you said my least favorite candidate. It's not like the. It's, this means not my least. It's not the person I like the least. It's just the person I think is the least likely to make an impact. And that's Klobuchar. Um, she's so she's. It's funny. She said, "What's one thing?" At the end, she had a closing remark and said, "What's one thing misconception about her?" She said, "I'm not boring." I was like, "The fact you have to say you're not boring, it means you're boring." <laughs> and so to me, she's very not. Yeah. She's very nondescript um, in her policies in her even her speech she's kind of monotone she just doesn't move the needle at all and that's not to say she's a bad person or that she's nothing negative i just think that uh she's probably gonna be the next person that drops out because i don't see um her you know you know i mean you know steyer i he's one of the he's 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 also near the bottom for me too just because the you know he's kind of a i guess a raw Ross Perot-ish, you know, hey, I'm self-made type thing, and that's cool and everything, but he, it's hard to see him getting in there and and making a difference. I do agree with some of his points, and, and I think, I hope he stays in the race long enough to kind of push the other candidates to make some real, um, make some real decisions rather than, you know, pitter-pattering around some stuff. So, you know, I like his stance on reparations. It's pretty strong. You know, he's, he's pretty good with that, um, but you know, as you mentioned, got the front runners, Bernie, uh, Biden, uh, Warren, even to a lesser extent. I think Warren kind of in some ways when I watched her in this last debate performance did a little bit better than I was expecting because I felt in the past she had been kind of whiny. But today she in the last debate, I felt like she kind of just was more aggressive and was just like, hey, um, Bloomberg is probably I mean, I know I'm just dancing all around. I'm not doing a good job on this question, but. Bloomberg's probably my least favorite candidate. Just I like him the least. Um, Agreed. Now Agreed. I like him the least. <laughs> I think Klobuchar, you know, has less of a chance to win. But Bloomberg to me is one of these white people, and I say this with all respect, and and you know, to to anybody listening and doesn't know me, um, I am first of all a man of God, a kingdom above race and all things. But I also understand race is a component of how we live in a role we exist in. So I say this with that in mind, right? Um, Bloomberg's kind of white person that he thinks he knows more than everybody and in, 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 in things like he thinks, he thinks he probably would have been the better president than Obama. And the only reason that he thinks Obama won is because he was, he was, he does, he was like, you know, affirmative action or something. He's one of those kind of people that doesn't give credit to people. Mm -hmm. He thinks he knows best. And if he doesn't know better, if you don't, if he, if you know something that he doesn't know, it wasn't important because he knew everything. And that's a majority white culture thought process. And he embodies it fully. And so I think I like him less than Donald Trump because at least Donald Trump doesn't pretend to be any, Donald Trump is a fool and, and doesn't pretend not to be. Bloomberg kind of acts like he's this kind of good guy who's a Robin Hood, robbing the rich, save the poor. And he's nothing more than um, a profiling, uh, you know, bureaucrat who has has the interests of the rich at heart. Like I don't see, I don't see the upside to um, to Bloomberg at all. Um, I concur with what you said about Bloomberg, among other reasons. I mean, that have been well documented. Stop and frisk. Uh, he 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 opposed awarding the 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 former Central Park Five, who are now referred to as the Exonerated Five, 
he he opposed to giving them money that they uh, were awarded uh, for being exonerated in that case. Um, I, I I have to agree. He is right there with, if not worse than Trump in some ways, in my opinion. And I have been on the record as saying if it's him versus Trump, I'm probably going to write you in, Frank. So be looking for a vote for president from me if, if that's what happens. Uh, to answer my own question, that is my least favorite. And my predictions are that Bernie will probably get a lot of the Super Tuesday votes. But I think Joe Biden is going to challenge him well. I think uh, South Carolina is going to be some good momentum for him. Um, my other question to you is, who is the best to beat Trump out of those out of that six? And oh, two part question. Who's the best to beat Trump? And is that the, the most is that the thing that matters the most to you this election cycle? You know, usually we try to pick someone who has great policies, who has a good foreign foreign policy and, you know, can create jobs and things like that. Does any of that matter in this election or does it simply just matter who can beat Trump and who do you th think has the best chance at defeating the current president? Um, I think that's pretty easy. To, to think who has the best chance, I think the best chance is is probably either Bernie or Biden. One of depending on whoever one one of those two guys gets the nomination. Um, the reason I'll, I'll kind of give a quick summary of the other people. Obviously, we talked about Klobuchar, just not enough. Uh, Warren, I don't. I think is 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 better obviously than Trump. But the problem is when she matches up against Trump, he's going to exploit her in a way that she doesn't she doesn't know how to not play his game and I think that she would be she would be a bad matchup for him. Um I think that um or he would be a bad bad matchup for her more 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 aptly. But Buttigieg would probably do the best in the debates because of his nature. But the problem with Buttigieg in my opinion is where is where he's only 38 years old. Where he's the same age as we are, and so it's just hard for the American people to say we're going to get behind somebody who's under 40. And I get it. People joke about being 40 and being old, but really, that's not really old for a politician at all. Like that's pretty young for a politician. So for him to be coming from mayor of a kind of a non-diverse town in Indiana, and then all of a sudden now I'm the president, that's just a huge jump. I mean, I get it. There was guy Kobe Bryant came from the high school to the pros, so did LeBron. But those are Buttigieg is neither, you know, from in, in my opinion, like as far as like a generational, like is he a politician that's that 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 amazing? I think he's good. I just don't think he's good enough at 38 years old with his limited experience to be the president. So um, four years ago, I would have locked Biden in. He would have probably won straight away had he gotten the nomination. Yeah. Um, the thing I worry about with Biden now is he just seems a little bit senile, and that's just, and I'm just being dead honest, like. When I looked at Bernie, I was like, Bernie's old. No, that's true. I was like, Bernie's old, but Biden is almost too old. Um, and so, but sadly, I still think one of those two guys, and I think that Bernie will end up with the nomination unless the Super Gales does something weird. So I think Bernie can win against um, you know Trump. I think, I think the thing is, people remember, a lot of people that supported Trump came from Bernie. So if Bernie is back in yeah. it, Bernie's 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 base is fanatical. 
they're, they're, they're on the other side of things, but <laughs> they're fanatical. Yes. So if Bernie gets the nomination, Bernie's going to, Bernie will do well. Bernie will win those blue states that, that Hillary lost. I guarantee that, like, he will be able to build that whatever blue wall. Like, he will be able to win states like Pennsylvania and Michigan because he can appeal to the white, blue-collar worker. They're going to, they, they like his talk. Um and, and they're willing to, to listen to it because Trump has basically lied his way. You know, he hasn't brought the coal mines. He hasn't brought all the stuff back that he said he's going to bring back. So the farmers, I, I mean, let them yeah, down. I mean, he's like I said, we could make a whole show of all things he's not done. They say he's going to do. But Bernie is probably the best bet to win just because of his the voter turnout that he will have. Biden, to me, is the probably the best candidate from a political standpoint because I think he'll be able. I think he knows how to get things done. I think he understands. He's progressive enough, but not so progressive that. So Biden, to me, would have the most ability to probably do things that would be useful. But I, I just don't know. I just don't know if he can get that momentum to to be back as the front runner. I think he's people like him, and certainly he has a strong, uh, you know, vote among blacks. And so that help will help him, but I don't know if it's going to push him over the top because with the white liberals, Bernie is very in vogue, very popular. So I want to touch on a few things you said in your first and second answer. And one, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Bernie and Joe have the best chances of, of beating Trump. But here's where I've been na- naive. I have long maintained that hey, uh, Trump is not unbeatable. Like people were treating him as though he's this unbeatable force. They're forgetting that he lost the popular vote by over 2 million votes. And collectively, he won those those electoral votes collectively by like 70,000 votes. He's not unbeatable. And and remember how unlikable Hillary was to a lot of people and how they felt the Democratic Party Screwed over Bernie. You, you heard Frank mention a lot of his voters went to Trump. So he's not unbeatable. So I always felt like as long as the Democrats put up a competent candidate, they can beat Trump. I'm not going to say easily because I don't want to underestimate that dude again. Uh, but I, I felt like they can win. But here's where I've been naive. I have underestimated just from talking to people how many people are not going to vote for a gay guy in Buttigieg. Like, I, I've literally had people say, oh, well, if it's Trump and Buttigieg, I cannot have two white, I mean, two men in the White House. So I guess Trump will get another four years. Oh, well, I've literally heard people say I'm not voting for a woman. I don't think a woman can run this country. They're too emotional. So right there, that that eliminates two of them. I don't think Steyer, I'm not even sure if Steyer really wants to win. I think he just wants Trump out of office. He, he's been paying for commercials to get him out of office long before 2020. Uh, I already said how I felt about Bloomberg. So that really only leaves Bernie and Joe. And here's the thing about Bernie, okay, because there's already a push by the, the Democratic Party who don't feel like Bernie is an established damn because remember, he's, he's more of a socialist than he is a Democrat. We have 93 delegates on record already saying that they will not vote for Bernie, even if he has the most votes come convention time. So what we could be looking at is if Bernie doesn't have the magic number of delegates to secure the nomination, 
but he has the most. So say like it's down to him, Biden and Warren, and he has the most, but he doesn't have the magic number to secure it. Well, then, then it goes to a contested convention and a lot of those delegates are not going to vote for Bernie because they don't think he's a, a true Democrat. And his, what do you think his supporters are going to do? They're going to feel screwed over again, and they're not going to show up to vote for whoever is nominated, even though that is a fair process. It'll seem like it'll seem like another uh, screw job. So it's a lot of bad things that can happen for the Democratic Party. I say all that to say this: I hope Bernie, if he's going to win a nomination, I hope he gets that magic number. Because if he only just has the most delegates, but not the magic number, we could be looking at a chaotic Democratic Party that will allow Trump to get another four years. Also, with Bloomberg, I just want to talk about the power of ads. That dude is a millionaire and he's on sports podcasts that I like now. His commercial plays every commercial break. My daughter, who's 11 years old, asked me and my wife who we were voting for. And when we told her, she was like, Oh, I didn't even know they were running. I thought only Mike Bloomberg was running because that's all she hears. She ain't she ain't checking for politics, but that's how strong ass are. And he has that money. So even though I don't like him, he could last pretty, pretty far into the process. And the final point I want to make, Frank, you touched on this. You said how you didn't want to watch the debate even though you host a political show. Brother, I'm right there with you. Much of, of 2018 and 2019 I was tuning out so much politics. I mean, it's it's kind of hard when you get an alert on your phone every day about something crazy and wild that this administration has done to where you just get numb to it and you don't even want to hear what's going on. You don't even want to follow the impeachment process because you know what's going to happen. You don't want to watch the Supreme Court nomination because you, you know what's going to happen despite any allegations against him. It, it gets a little tiresome. And so I, too have been apathetic to politics. Uh, I think I found, I finally found my, I guess my win for it earlier this year, but for the last two years, man, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I was barely paying attention to politics unless we had a show getting ready to come up. I wasn't watching it, man. I was watching boxing or, or catching up on a Netflix show, man. So that's where I am with that. But I've talked enough on that. Um, Final topic I wanted to get on. Um, we mentioned how we've been going since late December. So all of January passed by. We're literally recording on the day before the last day of February. A lot has happened, Frank. Just a few things that, that have taken place. And I want you to tell me, in your opinion, which of these was like the biggest story that got the most attention. Uh, you got Dwayne Wade formerly of the Miami Heat, and his son, who is now his daughter. And let me just say this. I have a different podcast that I do, Three Brothers is No Sense, and I spoke a lot on that topic. I don't want to kind of regurgitate the same points I made there, but I did want to say this for people that don't listen to that and only listen to this. I don't want you to think that I am in some way criticizing what Wade has done or or any of that. I'm not criticizing any of that. But I want to be completely honest with you. I am for, I think uh, he wants to be referred to as Zaya now. I am for, you know, however they want to handle that. 
where I'm not at right now, and this is just my truth, I'm not at a point to where, where I can call a 12-year-old boy a girl right now, even though that's how he wants to be referred, and that's cool, that's fine. I have no problem with anybody that wants to do that. But for me, it's still his son. And, you know, in my opinion, I, I do think that's too young to make that, that type of decision, but I'm not criticizing how Wade has handled it because that is his household. That is his child. That's how he chooses to handle it. So I just wanted to put that out there when I mentioned that topic. So you had that whole situation. You had the impeachment that I mentioned earlier. You had the you had the death of Kobe Bryant that hit me much harder than I thought it would because I wasn't even a Kobe Bryant fan. But it hit me. Uh, in the aftermath of that, that, you had Snoop Dogg and the whole Gail King thing, and then you had um, what? I'll I'll, I'll I'll leave it right there. Which of those was like the biggest story in your opinion? Because I know Kobe was probably the most shocking. Nobody saw that coming from miles away. But what has lasted the longest, and what do you think has been the biggest story to take place since we last recorded? It's got it's got to be Kobe. I mean, I, I mean, I know it was the most shocking, but it was still the biggest thing because, you know, I I, I too, I mean, I I was so I've kind of I like Kobe and I rooted for him when he was playing, um, and and so I liked him and I followed most of his career, um, and I, I felt like he was an all time great. I never think he was as good as Jordan. I know people say oh he's the goat. I didn't think he was as good as Jordan. I think LeBron is is very close you know, with him, if you compare them as well. Um, but he's, he's a great player. And so I enjoyed his career. I enjoyed, you know, where he was as a man, as a father. And so just, you know, it's funny cause we were a lot closer in age. And I thought, cause you know, when I saw Kobe, he was in the NBA and I felt like he was older, but then really he was, I'm 38 and he's 41. So not significantly older than, than me. He could have been a friend of mine, you know, technically in, in my peer group. So, you know, just that, the day, I mean, it's one of those, Kobe Bryant's death is like one of those moments where um, you remember where you were, for me, like 9-11, or like Magic Johnson that has HIV, like, I remember those moments where I heard that, and I remember just getting a text from one of my friends that Kobe died in a helicopter crash, and I was like, that's gotta be fake, because, I mean, it's just, not, you know, like, and we don't, we don't have a yeah. lot of that too, right? Like where guys are dying kind of in a young, like there are there people that die young. You have the old 27, you know, crew. You have like Amy Winehouse, Jimmy Hendrix. You have these people that die at, you know, 27, you know, that, you know, but they have a lot of issues around them, right? Like self-inflicted, even Michael Jackson's death was shocking, but still because of the state he was in, you know, it seemed like mentally and the things he was doing with his body as far as painkillers, it wasn't a shock, right? But Kobe Bryant was a man who was completely sober in his mind, in his in his life, and was living for his family. And then for him to be taken out along with his daughter, and then seven other people too, right? Let's not forget the other people that that passed away. To me, it was it, it just it just was it was too much. It, it, it's still a lot to me because I look at it and I say, man, every day, you know, I have my wife and I have a daughter who's, you know, four years old, and I say, you know, my God, what if I wasn't here to be able to raise them? What if I wasn't here to see those moments? Like, Kobe Bryant has has a child, you know, a young child that doesn't even, won't even know who he is. 
you know, she won't even know who her father yeah. is. And so, you know, that makes you, it makes you grateful, you know, glory to God to be alive today. And don't take for granted these moments that we have because, you know, every, because, I mean, there were some other stories like you mentioned, but this is the only one that sit with me like finality. Like this is, this is it. Like this is the reality we all face, whether or not we want to admit it, you know, coronavirus or not, you're going out one way or the other. And, you know, we have to be prepared. It put a lot of things in perspective. Like, do you have your estate in order? Do you have a will in order? Do you have things in order that if you passed away, you know, are things in a good place for your family? Do you have insurance? You know, I'm sure Kobe Bryant had all those things, but what I'm saying is it puts you in a mindset of, man, this is not just, this, this is real. And then the reality of it, that after, you know, he they did all the ceremonies and, you know, even if the Lakers win a championship this year, it doesn't bring him back. It doesn't bring closure to it. It's just like, you know, people, you can't live like that. I know people saying, I heard people say, well, you know, Lakers, they really need to win it. It's like, do they? Is that, is, I mean, like Kobe Bryant would give back mm-hmm. all his championships to be alive right now. Like he really would. Like, I get it. He, and one thing LeBron said that was so telling was he said, I saw Kobe Bryant most of his whole career. And he said, the most happy I saw him was the last three years. He wasn't chasing, trying to be something, trying to be, to worry about what the media says. And that's the thing too. Like you think about the career of Kobe Bryant, he spent his whole life, most of his adult life working for a perception of people that don't even know him. So he can't, he be the greatest, can't even without Shaq, all these things that don't mean a damn thing to be honest with you now. And he would give all of that up. He would give up his career to, to have his family be with his family. I mean, that's the things you got to think about what's most important. So it just still got me thinking about what's most important and, and the grateful that I'm here and, and hoping that I have, you know, God willing, many more years to see my family um, grow up and, and be a part of that. And that's really all that matters when you look at life, all the other things that you pursue, all the things you look at, it can all be replaced or, or it can all be something that is just a season. Um, but but he's gone and he's he can't come back. He only has, you know, one time one time to live. So that was just that was to me was was the most shocking and and to me will be the most shocking thing for probably a while just because unless something else equally similar happened. Like I guess if that happened to LeBron, that would have been, you know, even maybe a, a magnitude the same or even bigger, right? Like has a mega star mm-hmm. passing away um, like that is is just you know. It's just not, it's not, it's just, and I would say it's not unheard of, but it's, it's, it's something that this generation really hasn't faced. You know, Michael Jordan didn't yeah. die. Magic Johnson didn't even die. I mean, Magic Johnson was, we thought he was a destinist 30 years ago. And it's like, here he is speaking at Kobe Bryant's, you know, memorial service. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, mm-hmm. who would have told you that? Right. Kobe Bryant was in 1978. So I told you in 1991 or 1990 when he announced he had HIV that he would outlive Kobe Bryant, who was at the time 13 years old. You'd be like, what? Like, that's that's I mean, that's just the bizarre nature of this thing. Like, that's why it's, you know. Like I said, we used to seeing our sports stars get old and retire and, you know. We're not we're not used to this. So, as I mentioned um, on the uh, the other podcast I do, one of the topics we talked 
talked about, Frank, was um, have you ever cried in front of your spouse? Because, you know, we as men, especially black men, we always have to be tough and strong and crying is considered, you know, for a long time to be weak, man. But one of the things that came out, and, and by the way, I agree with you, the Kobe thing was definitely, it was so big that out of the four topics I named, two of them dealt, because the whole Snoop Gale thing was an offspring of the Kobe Bryant story. Uh, but so many men, you know, admitted that they cried over over this dude. And for me, I wound up crying. And I, I, I held back on it for several days when it first happened. So first off, when it first happened, I was out here challenging everybody. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that's fake news. They got it wrong. You need to ver- verify. I was turning to CNN and stuff. They wasn't talking about it yet. I was like, it's not even on CNN. So, you know, stop spreading. It's like I was in complete denial. And so when I finally saw that it did happen, you know, I I held back. You know, I didn't want to cry because I felt silly crying over someone that I didn't know personally that I never met. That seems that whole concept seems silly to me. But um, it wasn't until I believe they showed. So when the Lakers played their first game after uh, his death and, you know, LeBron gave that speech that I think you mentioned. And they showed they had like a little tribute on the jumbotron and it, you know, showing him with his daughter and stuff and things like that. It, you know, the, the the tears came. What can I say? The tears came, and I think it hit a lot of non-sports people because even if you didn't know Kobe, the basketball player, we all can relate to how devastating it would be to lose a child so young, and how you can relate to a wife losing not only her husband put one of her kids all at once. And then you mentioned the other seven people that were also, you know, killed on that, that helicopter crash. So it, it, like I said, it hit me harder than I thought it would. And it just, it, it was crazy, but I did like how the whole girl dad hashtag spun out of it. Um, he's truly missed, man. He's truly missed. And I think it's a story you know, every year they do the end of the year. What was the biggest story towards the end of December? Uh, like you said, unless something super major happens, I think this is already the biggest story of the year. And it happened in January. Um, so, so they finally had the like a public memorial for, for him last week um, on the 24th. And. I mean, I think you said it all, man. I don't really have much to add to that. It was incredibly sad. I will remember where I was, just like the other two with, you mentioned 9-11, Magic Johnson getting AIDS. I remember where I was with both of those. Another great point you made, too, because I was telling people, other celebrity deaths didn't hit me like this. Michael Jackson, like you say, it kind of, you know, he had his demons that he was battling. Muhammad Ali was old. Prince, he was, you know, he had his demons that he was battling. So, some of those celebrity deaths, those shocking, once you heard about it, it's like, oh, okay, but with Kobe, you just didn't see it coming. You didn't want to believe it, man. So rest in peace to him. I hope and I pray that his family is able to move on and the family members of the other seven individuals as well, man. So prayers to them and all involved. I think that's it, brother. We've been gone for a minute. 
but I think we kind of recapped a lot and touched on some uh, present things. So, so before you get the final thoughts, man, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on all type of podcast platforms, as I said earlier in the show. Apple, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher Radio. Check us out. Subscribe. Don't miss an episode. Also, be looking out. We have a special interview, kind of like we did with DJ Roski, to where the interview will be an episode on its own. So be looking for that. A very important topic we're discussing on that, mental health. We had two psychologists on there. Very professional, smart women. You'll see what I'm talking about when you listen to us. So we haven't forgotten about you. We're back. We're bringing you information. We're bringing you things. So continue to stick with us. Hey, we, we love you guys. We, we, we really appreciate you listening. We appreciate it's It's been, this is actually, um, when, when I looked at the calendar, this is actually the fifth calendar year we've been recording episodes. So it is a great blessing to still be here, be able to do it, be able to grow, be able to say things in a way and not be judged. And, and, and for you guys to see our heart and understand that we are learning just like you are and we and we just continue to grow and continue to help you understand how to use the political sphere to not just vote but also to shape your world and your positive and how you raise your family how you deal with all the things that you go go through and, and how to make the right choices and hand that down generationally to your children as well so we just want to thank you guys for listening again we're on all the platforms as Byron mentioned please subscribe um and that's it. We'll see you very soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.